Good morning again. Oh, we lost some people on that one. Uh, so I've, I've not been here for the favorite hymn things. I really like that. Uh, Julie, maybe one of these times we should do like a favorite verses and we can preach off whatever they yell out. That'd be kind of dangerous, I guess, but that'd be fun. Um, if you, it's possible, we'll see how this goes. Uh, if you look under your seats, you may find some fireworks that we could put off together right now. Oh, my mom looked. Good. I needed somebody to look, but that's okay. That is the joy of grammar when I can say may and then, you know, may not. Uh, but I, I want to say a little bit about the passage, my main passage, before I go into it. Um, in preaching and ministry, uh, God reveals things in so many different ways in so many different times. And, and a lot of it can be weight and a lot of it can be just like, wow, I never thought of that before. And so... When, when I preach, usually like uh, there'll be a series or something and, and God will just really place on my heart, like I, this topic really, really feels right to speak about or, or, or this scripture really goes with this or something along those lines. And, and I just, uh, everything kind of unveils from there because of, of God. And I pray and I, I look into it and all of those things. For the scripture, Matthew 17, 1 through 13, it's the transfiguration if you don't know. Uh, about a year ago, God placed that scripture on my heart, but he didn't tell me where to preach it, whether it was for youth or for big church or, or whatever. And, and, and I just kept thinking, and you know, as people, we like to fit things in. Like we want to we wanna put it there. It's like, well, I want to do it now because I've got it. And I can tend towards impatience. And sometimes like, uh, does popcorn really need four minutes to pop? Like, come on, it should be done in two. And then you got a lot of kernels. They're still good, right? Okay, good. Uh, but so I, I wanted to do that and I just kept feeling like, well, no, wait, wait. And, you know, God teaching me something. And then with our last series about divine encounters, and I, I know that our next series is going towards that a little bit, like this was in between and God's like, okay, now. And, and so I've never talked about this scripture before, but I just really, it's such a amazing time. And so let's go to Matthew 17, one through 13. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them to a high mountain, up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. So put yourself in this, in this situation with one of the disciples. Now, there's a lot we don't know about this. Uh, we don't know specifically why he brought Peter, James, and John, they were thought of as kind of the leaders of the group, the ones who uh, would step up when, when he went up to heaven, uh, the ones who kind of took charge at times. But, you know, it could have been a million different reasons. Uh, we don't really know which mountain. I was talking to, to Julie and Jeff beforehand, and, like, we kind of think maybe Mount Hermon or Hermon or however you say it, but, you know, nobody knows. It, it, we don't even really know why Moses and Elijah appeared. Now, I'm a revelation guy, and so I like to think, well, they're the witnesses. They're going to be the two witnesses, and there's two of them. Or I've also heard, and I like this one, uh, that Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. And, you know, Jesus talked a lot about the law and the prophets, and, and how uh, love God, love others, for example, summarizes the law and the prophets. Um, Moses died and went up to heaven. Elijah just kind of went to heaven, and so it could be something with death and the rapture. Like, there's all kinds of amazing things we can take from this. But the point is, if you put yourself in, in the disciples' perspective, imagine that. 
Like you're, you're already feeling just like, man, I've been called to do this. I've been called to follow Jesus. I don't know what's happening. Like, am I too young? Do, do people care about me? Am I just a fisherman? Like, what, what, what else can I do? Am I right for this? Am I enough? And, you know, Jesus chooses them. And so they're probably feeling pretty good. They're like, he wants us. There's something special about us. And so they go and, and first they see the transfiguration, the transformation. Now, this was him revealing himself. He always had this glory. He's always God. And so when he just shone like the sun, that's who he is. That's who he always is. And, and yet they saw that. And I can imagine just this, this click of, wow, like we've seen him heal and we've seen him uh, help and we've seen him preach, but man, I've never seen this. And just that moment, that feeling. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there. Now, for us, they're obviously heroes and we look back at the Old Testament and just everything they've done. But, but for Peter, James, and John of that time, man, that's like just seeing the most amazing hero ever. Like just imagine Michael Jordan showing up right now. Not in a religious capacity, but still, it's like, wow, he's awesome. He's better than LeBron, but it's an argument for another time. That's not an argument. But uh, it's like you see somebody that you really look up to, somebody that you just, you pattern your life after, and they see that. And it's such an amazing moment, such an amazing time. And just imagine that feeling, that feeling of connection, that feeling of, oh, we're a part of this. And so we go on to the next verse, verse 4. Uh, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So Peter tried really hard. And I think sometimes that's, that's the best compliment we can pay him. Now he became this amazing pastor and this amazing leader. But throughout the Gospels especially, I, I kind of connect with him because he just did his best all the time and sometimes he messed up. Uh, you think to where he sees Jesus on the water and he's like, I can do this. And he does, he walks on the water and then he sinks because he gets focused on other things or, or where he's the first one to say, you're the Messiah, I see this. And she's like, that's, that's right, good job, you're the first one that said this. And, and then follows that up with, but you know, the, the, the scripture, that's wrong, you're not gonna die, Lord. And, you know, his intent was good, but he just, he's all over the place. And right here, we kind of see an example of that because he feels that, that just connection. And have you ever been in a situation where you really feel like you need to have some input? Uh, like, it's like, man, you know what? I know that everything's going smoothly or this meeting's going well or, or my wife, my husband is doing well or home is going well, work is going well, but I really need to have some input here. And so Peter's like, I really need to say something. So he's like, let's build three shelters. And then God speaks up. And it's not that Peter's intent was bad again, but Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are not on the same level. Jesus is our Savior. He's who we worship. He's our focus. And so, you know, Peter and the other disciples, they fall down. Because even after we have that moment, that moment of connection, that moment of just feeling, man, I, I've been called and this is right, sometimes we feel less than. 
Or, or sometimes we feel disconnected, or sometimes we feel like, man, I really messed that up, or I could have done better, or somebody else could have done this. And, and Peter kind of goes through that, and we watch it. And the disciples probably felt overwhelmed. But think about this scene. So they see Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. But then when they lift up their heads again, only Jesus. Sometimes, especially when we're called, we focus on so many things. I remember when I, I was called, and I'll talk about this a little later too, uh, I, my focus was not on, well, yeah, I'll do ministry. It was on, I can't public speak, or, or I can't do this, or I'm not ready for this. Like it's, We focus on all these other things. Or we focus on how other people do it. Or we focus on how we wish it were. Or we focus on whatever. And right here it says, once that focus is on Jesus, that's, that's what's left. That's that moment. That's that focus on Jesus. That's who we serve. That's why we serve. And, you know, why did he keep it secret? Uh, there are people that argue about everything. Like, there are people in here who, again for whatever reason, think that, that LeBron has a chance at being close to Jordan, or there are people in here that, that think that DC is close to Marvel. Like, there's crazy things. There are people, I've met people, I've met people who actually think that Purdue is anywhere close to IU. I mean, come on. Come on. And people argue about this stuff. People, I hope nobody in here went to Purdue, but if so, I'll pray for you. Um, but People argue about this stuff, and think about that in churches, just some of the things we argue about, and you can think back or to examples and, and stuff like that. And so imagine, like, you're starting the Christian church, you're starting this, and people are like, well, is Jesus legit? Like, should I follow him? Should this happen? Like, what, what, why is this different? What is happening? And then all of a sudden, you have Moses and Elijah there, and you have all these other things, and so maybe that's why it was kept secret. But again, the point is not that. It's that Jesus was left. That Jesus is the focus, that Jesus is the center, that Jesus is who is there for us always. Going to verse 10. Then his disciples asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, but he wasn't recognized, and they chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. It's sad. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. So, again, putting yourself in their position. Let's go with Peter, because again, I relate to him. He sees this amazing transformation of Jesus. And he just feels that love, that hope, that, that everything. And then he sees his heroes there. And then he kind of gets talked at a little bit. My mom's here, she's talked at me before and so and my dad he can tell you the same probably but uh so I'm gonna go before I get in trouble um but he gets kind of talked at and then he kind of you know lowers it and then he looks up and it's Jesus there he's like oh Jesus is still here Jesus is why I'm serving Jesus is who I'm serving and he feels that and so he like lets it percolate a little bit and then he starts asking questions because that's what we do if we're in a situation where we, we feel less than, we're in a situation where we feel like we don't connect or, or like we don't know what's happening, we ask questions. We, ask, we go to Jesus. We talk to him. And so that's what he does. And they talk about John the Baptist and Elijah. And if you look through their lives, it's really cool how, how connected they are in different ways. Now, there were people at the time who thought that, that John the Baptist was actually the reincarnation of Elijah, but, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's just saying, hey, they're both messengers for God 
They're both harbingers, and I told the story in the first service just about how I learned how to say that word fairly recently. Uh, when I was a kid, and comic books are going to play a part in this message, uh, the Silver Surfer was the harbing, harbinger of Galactus. And I would read that, and I'm like four or five, and, and I would read that, and I read it as harbinger, because I'm a little kid, and little kids, not very smart all the time. And so I, I read that, and then I said it just in passing to somebody, and they're like, do, do you mean harbinger? And so, one of those things. Anyway, they were harbingers of, of God, of Jesus. And, and, you know, they both had dealings in the wilderness. John ate some weird stuff in the wilderness, possibly cicadas. We don't like that. But, uh, glad they're gone. He, he, they both had enmity with the king because the king at the time for each of them just didn't get what they were saying. Just all kinds of stuff connected them. But above all, their focus was on God. Their life was entirely, Elijah, John the Baptist, was entirely on God. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, John's showing you how to live, and then I'm coming to tell you what to do. When you take this scripture, there are so many different ways to go with it. And that's why over the last year, I was like, well, it could fit here, it could fit there. And you could look at commentaries, and they're so interesting to just look at what people think or what people have studied about Moses and Elijah, and why them, and why this, and why that. But for me, I just keep feeling this, this call back to the, how the disciples felt this, and what it must have felt like, and what it must have just, that sense of being there in this moment, in this miracle, in this amazing time. And I think as Christians, we share a lot with the disciples. We are all called, some of us are called in, in corporate ministry, some of us are called uh, for, for music, for sound, for tech, some of us are called to preach, for youth, for children, some of us are called to, to witness at work, some of us are called to witness at home, but we're all called in some way. And I could go from person to person and, and kind of ask about your calling, and, and you know, we all have that calling, but... Sometimes in the church, we talk a lot about the calling, and we don't talk a lot about what happens after that, about letting it click, about understanding where it fits, and all of it fits. All of us have a place in God's plan, and that's what's so amazing. And so the disciples, they kind of show that in how each of them is different. And that calling is, is so special, so personal. And Peter, again, I keep going back to him because he was all over the place. He was all over the place, but he knew he was called and he kept going back to Jesus. And, and for me, my calling, I've talked about it before. Uh, I was in college and I was nearing the, the graduation date for my English degree, which is extremely lucrative for the people that hold my college loans. And, and so it was, it was something that, that I really felt good with at the time. And then yet Jesus he calls me. He's like, you're going into ministry. And I'm like, I, I don't, what do you mean? Like, I can't. I just, I'm graduating. Like, I can't go back and do four more. Because I didn't understand. But I went to the church, and I've told this before, but I'll say it again. The very first Sunday that I came back, uh, they actually were like, hey, we need youth volunteers. And it's just one of those God things. And then from there, he just kept bringing me places and showing me places and looking back. And I think that we get that. Like, when you look back, you understand more than when you're in the place of that. And so looking back, I'm like, oh, I kind of get this. But when I go all the way back to being a kid, there are really two places I really ever felt safe or, or home or just right. And one was in church. 
when my grandma would take me to, to caravan or to church every service or whatever, like I just, I felt right there. I felt good there. I felt like it clicked there. And the other one was behind the couch reading comic books. And you're like, well, that's two very different places. But, but it's such, it was such an important thing to me because I, I was a shy little kid. I was quiet. I was nerdy. I did play sports, but, you know. And so I, 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 I was a reader. And I was a creator, and I loved doing stuff like that. And my great-grandpa would bring home, like, uh, newspapers. Do you guys remember newspapers? They used to exist. And uh, they were, it was a blank newspaper, and I used to draw comics just throughout it, my own creations that are thankfully lost to time. Uh, and, and, and I just, I felt when I was reading them so good. And then they started making movies and TV shows on these comics that I loved so much, and it was so cool. And, and there were a lot of false starts. I don't know where you guys stand, but I'm sorry, Tobey Maguire is not a good Spider-Man. Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man, is the only Spider-Man. And that's, again, not an argument, it's just true. And so, like, there were false starts and things would happen and there'd be problems in the court or a movie wouldn't go well or the third movie or whatever. And I just, you know, I kept trying because I felt good with comics. And then in 2008, the MCU started, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And again, Julie gets this. Uh, if you don't, just bear with me. I promise I'll make sense. But the, the cinematic universe started with Iron Man, where they were doing all of these different movies from my childhood, but connected into an Avengers universe. And for me, it's like, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. This is where I, I felt so right at home, and I would hearken back to my days as a child behind the couch just reading. I'd be like, this is so cool. I wish my grandma were here, or, or I wish that I could talk about this with more people. I wish that people didn't look at me blankly when I talk about it. Like, things like that. And, and yet it was just so cool. And it all led up to Avengers Endgame. And I have a scene from Avengers... Oh, behind me. I have a scene from Avengers Endgame. And, spoiler alert, uh, there's a scene near the end where things have gone really badly. And all of the heroes are kind of beaten, and Captain America falls, and then he stands up. And then all of the heroes from all the movies and TV shows, for the most part, they come out together. And they're all on equal footing. Some of them are powerful, and some of them are more famous, but they all come out together to stand up against the evil. Now, side note, my favorite character of all time is Spider-Man, which you'll know if you've ever seen me, ever. But uh, my second is actually Thanos, who's the bad guy in the movies, but that's a story for another time. Um, but they're all together, just coming together. And you go to the next scene, they're all running out to fight. And you see Spider-Man circled for your enjoyment. But uh, when I saw that, and when I've seen that thousands of times since, because, again, I'm a nerd, uh, I feel this, this just connection. It's like, this is what I was waiting for. This is what could happen. This is what I knew would happen. And it felt so cool. And I'm not ashamed to say that I tear up even now when I see that scene. And it's so amazing. And there's one more scene, and we have one more clip. If you know comics at all, and I recognize that not everybody does, uh, in the comic books, in the Avengers, Captain America was the leader, and he always said Avengers assemble when they go into battle. Always. Like, that was his thing. And in the movies, they would always kind of go right up to that, and they'd never put it, because they were saving it. So like in Avengers 2, they'd have him say, Avengers, and then it stops. And so for fans and nerds, like, you're kind of waiting for that moment. And then in this, as everybody's together, as everything's clicking, as everybody's at their worst, about to go at their best, he says that Avengers assemble. And they go forward and they win, and it's such an amazing time. And it's that moment, that culmination. 
where everything fit, where everything that I'd been waiting for, everything that I'd been looking for just happened. Now, since then, there were other movies that that didn't do as well, or there's been COVID and things that stopped things, and it is what it is, but, but I would always go back to that moment, and like I said, sometimes I'll just watch that moment over and over again, because I got problems, but I love that moment. In ministry, there are absolutely times where we feel discouraged, and we're all in ministry. Uh, For me, I feel, and I've always felt, like I'm surrounded by Moses' and Elijah's. Like the people that I work with, the people that I minister with, the people that I minister to, sometimes I feel like, man, they are real Moses's, real Elijah's, real disciples, and and what am I? And I kind of question myself, and and even though if you were to come to me and, and say this to me, I'd be like, no, everybody in the church matters like everybody has a point if it were just me up here talking to nobody it'd be like home there'd be nobody here or if it were just Jeff playing the the organ organ yeah playing the organ uh again nobody else is here there's no lights there's no electricity he's just playing it like he might be having fun but what's happening or or just the sound or just the tech or just whoever but all together we we bring something out for each other And we bring that message to the world and we connect and we show who Jesus is. And that's what the church is. That's what's so amazing about the church. And so all our callings go together. And that's what I would say to people and that's what I'd mean to people. But for me, when I'm done preaching, I'm not thinking, you know what? I bet that other people question themselves sometimes. I'm thinking, man, I'm just not enough. Or I get discouraged. But then I think back and I make myself think back and God helps me. To that moment. Now, I don't know Peter, James, and John, like, personally. I was there, but I don't know them personally. Uh, But I think, I like to think, they would say that that moment, the transfiguration was their moment. Where they saw Jesus, really saw him, and then other things got in the way, but then they saw only Jesus. They focused only on Jesus. For me, especially for this, serv- this sermon, I was thinking back, like, what is, what is that moment that I would say? Now, there's a lot of times where I felt really connected to God, or I felt just so in tune, or, or so a part of something, but the first time that really clicked, that calling, and like I said, we talk a lot about the calling, but so much after that, that first time that I really felt, oh, that calling, that, that's really, God really has something for me, I really fit, was in 2012, long time ago, way longer than I realized until I wrote down the date which means I'm old. But in 2012, I was in Seymour. That's my home church. That was my first church. And I'd only been in ministry a couple of years, like actual youth pastor ministry. And I went to the pastor, and I knew going to the pastor, I'd like, man, it took me years to say yes to preaching to the youth, and, and it took me years to like get prepared for that. But for whatever reason, I went to the pastor, and I was like, hey, graduation Sunday's coming up. I'd like to preach. Now, as I said before, I started out in English. The reason I landed on English is because my first major, my freshman year of college, was secondary education. The reason I changed from secondary education is I realized you had to actually educate people. And by that I mean you had to stand in front of people every single day and talk, and that was terrifying to me. And I was like, I'm never doing anything where you have to stand in front of people and talk. And God's like, guess what? But... For me, 
to say to that pastor, I'd like to preach, man, there were times of like, why'd you do that? Like, what, what are you doing? What? And I definitely questioned it and I doubted it, but I kept, you know, I, I made the commitment. And so he said, yes. And I go forward and we get to June 2012 and it's my turn to preach. And there's definitely a part of me while I'm sitting up there. that's like, if I run out the back and just keep going, nobody's ever going to question me. But, but I was like, okay, Jesus. And I stood there and I only saw Jesus. Moses and Elijah and the church and, and the laws and the rules and the prophets and the problems and the questions and the doubts and the struggles went away for that time where I looked at Jesus and I saw him and I spoke to him. I don't know each of your moments. And sometimes I think we don't even recognize our own moments at the time because we're so busy or we're doing this and we feel that connection, but it's like I don't realize what's happening. Until we look back. Like if you'd ask me the next day, hey, is this your moment? Is this the time that you really felt the calling was legit? I'd be like, what do you mean? Like I just, I'm terrified. Now since then, there are absolutely still times where I feel discouraged and I do still feel like, man, what are you doing? But I keep looking back at that moment and I keep remembering what it felt like to just look at Jesus. To just see Jesus in front of me. Sometimes we get so caught up in all of the other stuff, and I get that that can be important sometimes. And we have to, we can't just go through our lives and not work and not have family responsibilities and not pay, I get that. But when we stop and we just focus on Jesus, we're reminded who we serve. We're reminded why we serve. And so there's a scripture I want to read. This is 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. All of us. All of us serve Jesus. All of us were called by him. All of us are together with him, all of us have this chance. And all gifts matter. Everyone's gift is different. For some, it's speaking. For some, it's teaching. For some, it's listening. For some, it's helping. But all of them further God's kingdom because all of them bring glory to Jesus when we focus only on him. That's what's so amazing about this. And when you think about that moment, that moment where you realize it, where it just clicks, where your life may not click and things may not come together and things may not be perfect, but you see Jesus. And you're like, okay, I'm going to keep coming back to that. And then you go and you live your life and you do things for Him and you mess up sometimes and you get hurt sometimes or you get discouraged sometimes, but you keep remembering, okay, that moment. And you look around and you're like, hey, everybody else here, they're a part of this too. And we may not have the same calling, but we have the same Lord, the same Savior. We're connected by His love. It's so cool. And I have one more scripture to just bring light to that. And this is Isaiah 41.10. And I have a slide for that too. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. My favorite thing about this scripture, and I go to it often, I use it often. 
when I'm feeling discouraged. Because when it says, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged, don't have fear, he's not saying you're never going to feel those things because you are. And if you do feel those things and you're like, well, God said not to, I'm a failure. It's not what he's saying. He's saying don't give in to those things. Don't give in to those things. Don't let those things run your life. Don't let those things be all you feel because you're going to feel it. And when I do feel that, I go back to the scripture. I go back to that moment and I'm like, okay, what's the most amazing thing about this? It's in the world, most of us would say, if you do this, then I'll give you this. Or when I'm feeling okay, then I'll give you this. Or when, when things are just right, then I'll help you out here. What does God say? He says, I will give you strength. I will help you. I will lift you up. There's no, what do we do first? He's with us. He called us for a reason. Again, I don't know what everyone in here was called to do, but I know you were called by Him to be His hands and feet, to be His love, to be His example in this world, to show people Jesus when they may not see Him anywhere else. And that's going to be scary sometimes. It's going to be discouraging sometimes. And you're going to wonder if you're the right person sometimes. But when you stop and you look at Jesus and you remember that moment, and you remember that He will be with you, not a question, not maybe, not kind of, not sometimes, but he will be with you every step of the way. It's such an amazing thing. It's a guarantee from God, and guarantees from God, 100% track record. We are his disciples. We are his examples in this world, and There are absolutely things that try to drag us down. There are absolutely people that try to shout us down. There are absolutely times that we feel like nobody's listening. I can tell you that from experience. But I can also tell you this. Jesus went through the same and worse. And He still shows up before us every single day when we look and we see Him. Because we are His disciples. His disciples. And God will strengthen us, will help us, will lead us. It is incredibly tempting to say Avengers Assemble, because I'm never going to have that opportunity again. But what I will say is that you are enough. In God, you are enough. And He is with you. And you will have impact in this world, because Jesus is our focus. And that's all I got.